0: welcome to macroeconomics this is dr terry eland coming to you from home to wherever you are sit back relax and enjoy the economic ride so today we're going to start with the principles uh, that are covered in chapter 5 of Mankiw, which refers to measuring a nation's income you may have noticed in your notes or on the moodle page that uh, there is a micro-review that will happen beforehand, and that's essentially if you've never done micro before and you want to brush up on basic economics graphing, how that works, and supply and demand, which will be useful later on, do so at a certain point in the semester. However, when it comes to calculating GDP, all of that information is not quite necessary at this point. So. What is Gross Domestic Product? So we'll learn in this audio segment how to calculate Gross Domestic Product and we'll learn some of its pitfalls. Because at the end of the day, the purpose of calculating Gross Domestic Product is to measure the economic performance of a country in a given time period. And sometimes you might want to measure it on a yearly basis. You might want to measure on a quarterly, monthly basis and then compare. So in certain instances, when you have a pandemic, you may wanna compare, well, what was the production level in January of the previous year versus January of this year and so on. So you try to see how economic performance is doing. Ideally, our economy is stable in terms of production or increasing, it's not falling. So how do we measure Gross domestic product. Well, there's various ways to measure gross domestic product. But first, you have to know exactly what it calculates. And what it calculates is the total value of everything that's being produced in a country in a given period of time. So you may have already heard about gross national product, which looks at what's being produced by Canadians either here or elsewhere whereas gross domestic product is looking at everything that's produced in Canada and it could be produced by Canadians or foreign firms but it's whatever is produced in Canada so the total value of all of those goods produced in a given period of time a few things to keep in mind with that definitions it's produced here And it is in a given period of time, it doesn't need to be purchased or consumed in that same time period. So you may be producing a desk or whatever else in December of a certain year, and you only get to sell it later on. Well, since it was produced in December, it should count towards that year's GDP. So it's just something to keep in mind, and that's going to help you understand uh, the Difficulties with calculating inventory and what it represents, Uh, inventory investment, with respect to the investment component. Um, So how do we calculate national uh, income or gross domestic product? And here I use both of those two words interchangeably. It's either the total level of income or the total production level in a country. So there's three different ways, we'll focus on one. Uh, There's the income approach, the expenditure approach, and the value added approach. Regardless of which approach you use, they should all lead to the same value. The total level of production in a given year is exactly the same regardless of how you look at it. There's just a simpler way of calculating it, and that is the expenditure approach. But if we compare expenditure to income, they both have to be equal to one another. Because if you think of the circular flow diagram in economics, and if you haven't seen this diagram, don't worry about it. It's never going to be on an exam. But if you think of the world, uh, every time someone spends money, there's an expenditure. It's someone else's income. As soon as you earn money, whatever job you are, you are the expense of someone else. So they're always linked up. I buy a computer, that's an expense for me. It's a revenue or an income for who's ever selling it. I work as a snowboard evaluator, that's an income for me, but it's an expense for someone else. So whether you add up all income streams or all expenditure streams, you will get the same amount. However, it is much simpler and intuitive to use the expenditure approach. And that's what we'll be focusing on here. And next step, in this whole expenditure approach, you want to avoid double counting. And that kind of adds up to the, the, the different approach, which is the value added approach. And the whole idea here is, if I am a baker who produces bread and sells it, That bread, that final good that is produced and sold, is the only thing that will contribute to GDP. I will not add up every other step. If we were to do that, we would be using the value-added approach, and when you do so, you only add the extra contribution of every step. So if you think of the person who's harvesting the wheat while he's working, adding soil and so on and so forth he's getting a little bit of money from that he's selling it at a certain price then there's someone who takes this wheat and makes flour with it he buys that article at a certain price and sells it for more and then so on and so forth there's many steps and well if you were to add up the value of all of those steps you would get to a total value much higher than the actual loaf of bread that's produced at the end But none of those steps were consumed till that final product was produced. So you don't want to count intermediate goods because otherwise you would be double counting a certain thing and you would be making it seem as though the economy is producing a lot more. Because if you took the example of someone making bread and doing it from scratch, harvesting the wheat, making the flour and making the bread and selling it for $5, Or someone with many steps, that same $5 loaf of bread should contribute the same way to GDP. So you do not count intermediate goods. But the question that you might have is, well, what happens if I buy flour and I make myself bread? Well, in that case, that flour is a final good. That bread that you make and you consume yourself that you do not resell, that is... Not counted and for you the final good that you consume that you purchase is not a loaf of bread pre-made it's the ingredients to make that loaf of bread and those ingredients need to be counted since it's the final step in that chain before it gets kind of consumed in a certain way so just something to keep in mind if I buy lumber to make myself a desk that lumber counts if uh, a woodworker buys that lumber and makes a desk and sells me the desk. Well, it's the desk that counts. The lumber does not count because that's part of their input costs or their intermediate goods. Yeah. So when it comes to the expenditure approach, the simple way to remember it, well, simple, the ca- way to calculate it could be separated in different categories. So that gross domestic product is partly attributed to consumption goods, investment goods, government spending, and net exports. So I'm gonna go through each of these and then tell you some of the common errors that I see in this segment. So for consumption, it's looking at what Canadians consume overall. And here you might think, well, we're not only consuming domestic goods, we do consume imported goods as well. And you are right. And we'll see when we look at net exports that the imports part is a negative. Therefore, if you buy a pair of boots coming from another country for $200, well, that would be counted in the consumption part, but it would also be counted in the imports part. So that 200 minus 200 would have no net impact on GDP. It wouldn't make it increase or decrease. However, if you spend that $200 on an imported good and you decide, oh no, finally I'm gonna buy local, well, in either case, consumption is $200, but in one, two cases, you don't have that negative imported amount. And therefore, yes, since you've consumed the good, that is producing Canada at $200, you're helping out the economy, you're helping out the economic performance of our country. So that is consumption. Pretty straightforward. Investment is where it starts getting a little rocky, and that investment portion it revolves around uh, the the easy part of it is to look at fixed investment by companies. So if a company buys a computer or buys a truck or buys machinery for their company, well, that's not a normal consumption good by a, a normal consumer. Um, it's a situation where it counts as an investment good and then there's new residential structure so each time a new building is being built it's counted as investment as well and then the last one is inventory investment and that's where it can be tricky but if you come back to the example I had before of a good that's produced in December and only sold later on well that good that's produced in December gets accumulated in the inventories of the company. And that's how it would count towards that year's GDP through an increase in inventory because of that production. Government is any goods and services purchased by the government and it includes the salaries of the people around. If the government decides to expand a highway or any other kind of level of spending that it has, it's going to lead to an increase in expenditure. We'll see that transfers with no kind of like exchange don't count such as when your parents give you money to go to school well that doesn't count towards GDP it's just a transfer of wealth and same thing would go for the government as well and then net exports well that's total exports minus total imports um, so the exports naturally increase our GDP, because anything that we produce to sell abroad actually is produced here. So it increases our level of production. But the imported part reduces that net exports. So we typically keep them together there. Um, but it might be the case that you have a net exp- of zero, but that doesn't mean that we're not trading. It just means that we're exporting the same value as we're importing as we have been Roughly speaking, for many years with the United States, we've had balanced trade. We'll come back to that later on. So what are some of the excluded items and why is this kind of policy not perfect of using GDP to measure economic performance? Well, there's a bunch of things that aren't included. But the biggest one that you have to remember here is household production is not counted. What we mean by household production not being counted is the situation that if I decided to build my own house instead of hiring people to do it, well, naturally the house is gonna cost a lot less, but there's a lot of that value that's been put in the house in terms of my time that's not recorded because I'm not paying myself a salary. Same thing if you decide to build your own desk, make your own food, which most people do, but sometimes you don't go to the restaurant. So if you imagine, between going to the restaurant or getting takeout or doing your food yourself, it's gonna be less costly, but it requires a little bit more time and effort. So that extra time and effort is not counted. So if we think historically, when we went from a situation in the early 1900s where most women would stay at home and take care of the family and so on, and then we moved to a situation where more women entered the workforce and started working they could have been doing exactly the same thing as they were doing at home but now officially speaking they were like um receptionists or working at a restaurant or cleaning or anything else i don't want to be sexist with those comments but just to get a point across it's you could be doing exact same things but because you're hired they now increase gdp because they now count towards GDP. Same thing goes as if you decide to, you're, you're a trained massage therapist and you decide to massage a friend and that person pays you in cash, it's not declared, or you massage that same person but now you give them a receipt, well that's going to increase GDP. And that's a question that sometimes pops up on quizzes that some people struggle with. The idea that if you have two different people that used to work on a barter system where a I give you this in exchange of this, but we don't declare anything. And then they go to a system where they both declare what they're doing. It actually has influence on GDP calculation. Same thing goes as before marijuana was legal. Maybe marijuana purchases were just as high as they are now, but they used to be all completely undeclared because they were all illegal activities. And now they're seen as legal product and therefore contribute to GDP. When you look through the, the notes, you could also see a table that has the Canadian example of the different values of GDP. And you could see like in percentage terms, what is consumption, investment and government spending and net exports. And later on, we're going to talk about when we're in recessions, it's often the investment portion that's going to drop a lot. And it's not because it's the biggest component that there's an impact. That's just because it drops so substantially in that whole process. Last but not least, the uh, kind of discussion that we wanna have here about GDP is nominal versus real. And this nominal versus real idea is gonna come back many times in this class. So you should start understanding it now. Nominal just means what we see. It's, uh, so if I go to the grocery store and I buy a, a set of oranges and pizzas and whatever, the nominal price that I paid is just calculating it all up, looking at my receipts, six oranges at this price and blah, 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 and I'll end up with a, a, a bill at the end. That is the nominal price I paid. Real is when you extract the inflation component. It would be as if I took that same receipt and I'd go six months prior or years prior and ask myself, well, what would that have costed in the previous year's prices? And that way, it could say the same level of consumption or production and compare it as if we had previous year prices. And the reason why this real part is important is that if you compare real values to real values over time, you could really see what increase is attributed to an increase in production. Because if we produce, let's say, a GDP of $5 billion, and then the following year, what at 5.5. Rapidly, you would think, well, we've increased our production levels by 10%. But it's actually possible if we're comparing nominal GDP of 5 billion to 5.5, that production hasn't changed whatsoever, but there's been a 10% increase in the prices due to inflation. So you have to make the distinction between what is caused by changes in price level and what is caused based on changes in quantity and when you, we use the real GDP aspect, we're stripping away the inflation component, the change in price component. So all we're looking at is changes in quantities. That is a big take-home message that you have to remember. And then there's a series of calculations. And for those, I would suggest you going through the notes and the videos and seeing how it's calculated because it's something that you will be asked to do to be able to calculate GDP and also be able to calculate inflation using the GDP deflator approach. And then last but not least, why is GDP not the best measure? And I have some past students that are doing a master's now and trying to convince the government into using a different metric than GDP to uh, try to steer the economy in a certain direction to say we shouldn't always just be focusing on GDP in terms of future benefits and what's best for society if we're a good person a good politician however the reason why it's not perfect is because a lot of things are not recorded Uh, some things need to be added some things need to be removed such as if we're taking care of the environment leaving a forest bee which is really good for the species and and biodiversity and everything else does not really contribute to gdp if you cut down the trees of all the forests you're producing a lot of lumber and which could produce a lot of materials and so on you're creating a lot of value but keeping the forest as it is is actually very valuable for future generations so we have to keep that in mind we have to keep in mind how peace is good and so on and so forth and the things that actually contribute towards GDP, but are not necessarily beneficial as when we go to war or if we have an oil spill or a natural disaster. All of those things will stimulate the economy, but are not necessarily desirable things. So it's things along those lines that are important to keep in mind. So there's alternatives like the Human Development Index that looks at a series of metrics. And if you're interested in that, I'd suggest looking more into it. But at this point, I'll leave you guys to that. So I hope you enjoyed this audio segment as you were walking through the forest and looking at the trees or just doing your dishes or whatever else. I wish you all a great day and you'll hear from me soon again.